Okay. It's a nice lunch. Carrots and parsnips. They can be good. <laughs> My wife and I were traveling a little bit last, no, it's still this month, uh, earlier in the month, in, uh, uh, in Scotland actually, and uh, we stopped in a little, just a little village that was kind of a really old village, like centuries old. And there was a little cafe in it, which we were grateful for because we were uh, kind of starving. And they served carrot and parsnip soup, uh, some old Scottish recipe. <laughs> and it was amazing. I'd never had soup like that. It was so good. So then I saw <laughs> carrots and parsnips here, I thought, wow, you know, it's like I've been initiated into the, <laughs> into the wonders of carrots and parsnips, really. And uh, the, the cooks here are doing such wonderful, wonderful things for us all. So let's again just uh, recall each of us our, deepest, our own deepest purpose for being here and for practicing and then just uh, rest in that purpose for a moment.
So, um, yesterday I introduced uh, Compassion Meditation 1, beginning to take our own layers of suffering into compassion. Uh, And in that practice, as you remember, we became conscious of some of our own layers of stress and suffering, which helps us sense from inside uh, similar feelings that others experience. Now, in the next meditation that I'll introduce now, Compassion Meditation 2, which is generating a strong will of compassion for action. And that, what I'm calling Compassion Meditation 2, is number 9 in the meditation handout. Number 9. So in this meditation, generating a strong kind of energy and will of compassion for action. After we reconnect with the power of love and compassion to w- in which we're held with the field of care, we turn our attention now outward to someone or some group whose suffering deeply touches uh, our hearts, uh, each of us. Someone, s- someone or some group whose Suffering, what it is that they're going through, deeply touches your heart. And then we take time to put ourselves in their shoes, imagining how it must feel for them to experience that. And as our empathy for them intensifies, we're kind of resonating with what that experience must feel like for them. So as that empathy intensifies, then we let it become a strengthening energy and wish and will of compassion for those beings, which then extends through them also to all who suffer similarly, and finally to all beings. So, as I discussed yesterday, compassion is, is a form of love that's empathizing with others in their suffering and um, wishes them deeply free of it. That's the kind of formal... Uh, fuller definition of compassion. So compassion empathizes with others in their suffering and wishes them free of it. So that means empathy is part of compassion. But at at least as I'm defining it here, but this is following from uh, Indo-Tibetan Buddhist traditions. So the empathy of compassion senses and and imagines what it must feel like for others to experiencing to experience the distress and suffering that they're that they're having. Now, the, here's a really important point and part of the whole purpose of introducing this meditation. It's the problem of what's called emp- empathic distress. So, empathic distress occurs when uh, our our empathy turns us inward upon ourselves, so we get caught up in the pain of our own empathy for others who are suffering. So we're starting to resonate with them, uh, sense or feel or imagine what it must be like for them. And as the, that becomes, there's some pain involved in that. So as, as the pain of our empathy increases, we then turn in upon ourselves um, and get caught up in that pain of our own empathy. And in that way, we, we, we can't remain present to them, really. We're, we're caught up. 
we may think that we're present to them, but we're no longer really present to the others. So perhaps you can remember a time like that when uh, it felt too painful for you to stay in touch with uh, someone else's pain. Can you remember a time like that? I think if each of us try, we can. Because empathic distress is an extremely common way for empathy to go. When we're with someone else or think of someone else who is suffering, uh, uh, such that we begin to empathize with them, uh, the, the, the path of empathic distress, of turning in on the pain of our own empathy and being caught up in it, is extremely common. So repeated empathic distress in caregivers, um, healthcare providers, therapists, uh, social workers, and um, activists of all kinds can lead finally to emotional exhaustion and burnout or contribute to those things. There are other causes for those things as well, but a, a repeated empathic distress is, one, is a big cause also for that. So empathic distress often causes us then to turn away from other suffering because it feels too painful to stay connected to it. Uh, so it's preventing us from, from actually being compassionately present to them. It's for this reason that many of us just turn away from the news. Um, or Henry, Henry Nouwen actually told a story. I used to teach some texts by Henry Nouwen. He's a great Catholic uh, contemplative writer. And I used to teach uh, some of his writings at Boston College. And he, he told the story, it's kind of related to these issues, of a priest at um, Notre Dame where he used to teach, who uh, they were in conversation and the priest said, uh, I've, stopped, I've stopped receiving uh, newspapers uh, uh, because uh, I, uh, I need to remain focused uh, on my prayer life, and um, th- it's too overwhelming what's what's appearing in the newspapers. So Nowen was uh, sympathetic but critical of that. Uh, it, it meant that em- em- essentially that empathic distress had the final word, combined with a, a misunderstanding of what contemplative life is that it involves a hiding from, in a sense, rather than a growing strength to be with at all. So that was uh, Nowen's critique. But so another uh, uh, kind of thing that comes up with empathic distress, as I said, it's just that we can't uh, stay connected to the suffering others are going through, so we have to turn away. So that's one thing that, that it does to us. But another thing that it commonly does is when we may be experiencing empathic distress with someone who's suffering, and then we may try to help the person, as it were, kind of like quote-unquote help, a person who's in pain more from a desire uh, to get rid of our own painful feelings of uh, empathic distress than from a, a, a grounded, genuine concern that's focused on their, their welfare. Like we can't actually be, we can't really be focused on them because the, the pain of our own empathy has, is turning us inward and getting caught up in it. We can't remain with them, really. But we may try to help them, as it were, 
to try to address the pain of our own empathy, but we're not really present to them. Are, are we all familiar with that too? I mean, I, now I'm not just talking about others who've been that way around us, but can you remember being that way yourself around others? Which is really the kind of direction that we need to also be aware of. So that's, these are some of the problems with empathic distress, and yet empathy is, at the, is, is part of the core of what compassion means in the kind of tradition that I'm sharing from, which can become quite powerful. So how are we to hold empathy then? So empathy for others who are, who are in pain is also painful for us. I think that's just part of the reality. But it does not have to devolve into empathic distress that turns in on ourselves and, and impedes compassion for others. Instead, and this is really a really important point, so it's the heart of why I um, uh, share this meditation, really. It's this amazing possibility that instead of that devolving into empathic distress, the pain of empathy can energize compassion the more intense the empathy, the more intense the compassion. It can go down that path instead of the path of empathic distress. That's possible. So in this meditation of uh, med Compassion Meditation 2, we learn, and again in the handout it's number nine, we learn to avoid empathic distress not by avoiding other suffering, but by letting the power of love and compassion evoked by our field of care and the meditation instruction guide our empathic attention strongly outward toward others. So we don't internalize the pain as empathic distress, as our own. Instead, we let the intensifying empathy itself transform into an intensifying energy and attitude of compassion that is directed externally toward others, making us uh, more fully present to them and ready to respond. Is that sort of clear? Mm -hmm. So in other words, in, in, to, in, to crystallize it, the meditation instruction specifically directs the energy of our empathic pain into compassion instead of empathic distress. Apathy can go up, down either path. And there have even been increasing uh, studies, neurological research studies, that indicate that there are, there are two different neurological paths that empathy can go down that would correspond to empathic distress on the one hand, or compassion, which can also be called empathic concern, on the other. So a further protection from empathic distress in our practices, the wisdom we've been cultivating in all these practices and with our field of care, that the awareness that suffering is never the only reality here, but is embraced in a larger reality of openness, warmth, and care in which it can transform and deeply heal. So two key purposes of this meditation then, compassion meditation too, are to develop skill at channeling empathy into compassion instead of empathic distress. And again, this is kind of, this is little known in our, in our culture. 
This is not something that's typically taught to um, the, the graduate school training centers of doctors and nurses and, and, and social workers. But it's, it's, it's a pretty amazing possibility if this kind of thing could be introduced more and more. And this is coming from Buddhist tradition. But again, it can be, in, it can be adapted into adapted forms for people from any background, which is what we'll have here. Remember right from the start, I said, well, okay, now bring a field of care to mind, but the options were such that it was never instructed as, now bring to mind the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas and the teachers that I take to be my teachers. That was never the instruction. It has to be yours. It has to come out of your worldview, your sense of what's deeply connecting for you, each individual, or it's not effective. So right from the start, the, there's an orientation here toward a kind of adaptation that retains as much of po as possible of the power of traditional practices, including forms of ritual contemplative practice that the field of care actually represents, but retaining as much as possible the power of traditional, of, of these traditions in practice while providing a way for people to engage them from their own worldview, their own background. It's not possible to do that perfectly, but that's the aim. So, I only said the first of the two key purposes. So, the two key purposes of the meditation then are first to develop skill at channeling empathy into compassion instead of empathic distress. And secondly, to bring out a very strong energy and willpower of compassion for others. A very strong energy and willpower of compassion, which is undeterred, um, has, has significant courage, uh, doesn't stop, doesn't get overwhelmed, doesn't get burnt out, won't give up. If one way doesn't work to address the suffering, then you try another way. If that doesn't work, you try another way. But the fundamental orientation and ground and will and energy, are, which are the basis of compassionate action. Remember, the, 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 the mental action is the basis of all the others. That, as that comes into place more and more, stronger and stronger, then the possibility of compassionate activity uh, around us and in the world uh, without, without being stopped. I mean, this or that activity may be stopped but the will for whatever activity is needed can't be stopped. Well, that's, the, that's the ethos, that's the fundamental ethic of uh, these Buddhist traditions. Especially what I'm drawing from here, which is Tibetan Buddhism, but it shares this in common with, with also uh, really all the East Asian traditions, and its roots are in the uh, all the early Buddhist traditions as well, this sense of indomitability. And that's really what was ascribed to the Buddha. That was a significant part of what enlightenment has meant to all the Buddhist traditions, a kind of unstoppability. Doesn't matter what happens. 
because you've connected with the sort of the very ground or source of what will be unending compassion, love, and its expression in uh, ways of being and activity. Can't be stopped. That's another part of the reason why I have a lot of confidence in what the field of care, the existence of fields of care in deeper and deeper senses. Whoever's awakened to this has become unstoppable in the power of compassion and wisdom holding this world unstoppable. So in this practice, first, with your field of care, you reestablish your secure base of love and compassion. So again, it is important to keep uh, exploring, finding uh, one or another form of field of care. And again, aware that the purpose of it is not to wind up worshiping high beings. It's nothing like that. It's, it could be a caring moment. It can be someone you're grateful has been in the world whose presence is quite inspiring and powerful for you. It can be a spiritual field. It can be the natural world. But it provides access to qualities of your underlying awareness. So this should, the concept of this should be familiar, but the continuing to explore it and find ways that now we find that we're, in, we're now uh, uh, feeling a sense that everything is held in warmth and acceptance and care. Uh, I have confidence that everyone can do that, but it's only at each individual's own pace, and it may not even be possible in this retreat. But I, I do have confidence it can, it can eventually be found for everyone, because we have to. We have to find a way to access these qualities with the help of others who are present to us with them. It's, that's also a principle of, of developmental psychology as well. We, we just need that. We need to experience what it's like to be held in care and warmth and acceptance in order to become a person who can hold others that way. It's also very well established in, within psychology, attachment theory. So without going lots into that, that's why I have a lot of confidence in it. But it also means that each individual in their own, at their own, in their own process. Um, but I just encourage everyone to keep looking into that, finding that where we can. And caring moments, I think, are especially helpful for that because they're so immediate and simple and uncomplicated and don't involve the complication of a per, uh, another person's whole personality. It's just a moment when... <laughs> You know, there, it might be another person or animal and you were present together in a way that just makes you happy to recall. That's it. Now you've started to access the qualities. Very simple. Don't make it more complicated. Um, so first we reestablish our secure base of love and compassion with the field of care. Then you'll bring to mind someone or some group whose who's suffering really touches your heart. Like, you kind of can't bear that they have to experience that. So try to think of that. This is where the news can be helpful, besides the news of what's going on in the world, our communities, our families. It can be in the past as, as well as in the present. 
what has really moved you. Some, someone or some group, but it needs to be concrete. What it is that they, that they have to undergo really touches you. You really, really wish they didn't have to go, undergo that. If you could take it away, you would. It's almost the point, if you could just take it for yourself, you would. Like, it touches you that deeply. This is very common with parents, parents and with their children, which the children may never understand that that's how their parents <laughs> thought about them until their parents themselves. But anyhow, not getting off into all those things. Um, and then the meditation is going to ask us to sense and imagine the, the kinds of suffering feelings that that person, that, that being or group, could also be animal but that being or group are experiencing. But then it's going to explicitly say to avoid getting stuck in the pain of our, of our empathy, our intensifying empathy, by directing its energy outward toward them, not turning inward on our own pain of empathy, but letting the pain of empathy become this intensifying energy of compassion, meaning this wish that they could be free of it, wishing them or willing them to be free of it, and radiating as an intensifying energy of compassion radiating to them. Is that kind of clear? It's like another judo move on the energy of, of the pain of the empathy rather than it going like this. It's just like not fighting with it, but using it like the, like the force of the opponent charging at you in judo and you, you use that force to throw them. You're not opposing that. So you're not opposing the pain of your empathy. Empathy is painful. We have to be real. You're not opposing it, but you can do that kind of judo move with it. Let the, the intensifying pain of the empathy become this intense radiance of compassion that's directed outward to them, willing them deep freedom and imagining all the causes uh, of the suffering uh, being uh, addressed, so they can so they so they can begin to find relief and joy and relief. So I'm going to just read that section of the meditation because, like the like, medi- compassion meditation one, and now also this compassion meditation two, it's a bit of a delicate balance. You have to find your balance in it. So I have to read, like I did with the meditation one part, I, I read you part of it and said when you get to this part, uh, um, you need to find your balance. In that case, with compassion meditation one, if the, the suffering that you're exploring, your own kind of suffering, gets too overwhelming, you need to, at that point, settle back into your field of care and become this compassionate holding environment for that feeling of difficulty. And then if, if or when that settles or begins to relax, you can come back again into the practice, and that's finding your balance. Right? You remember that? So similarly here, there's, there's a principle where you'll have to, each of you will have to find your own balance within it, and I'll read the instruction, the key instruction, to help with that. Because even though I'm instructing it, I'm saying it, uh, you'll need to actually make your own choices 
I'll, I'll show you what I mean. So the key instruction is after we connect with the field of care and uh, experience that holding environment of love and acceptance and warmth, then comes uh, step number three in the meditation after that, which is letting what touches your heart evoke uh, strong care and compassion. So here, here's the instruction. Now let this loving holding environment is from your field of care now remain in the background while you bring to mind, kind of like in the foreground, a person or group whose suffering deeply touches your heart, and sensing the suffering they must be experiencing. So there's the empathy. And then how it becomes much like Compassion Meditation One, but now with, with others. How must that feel for them in their body and heart and mind? What other feelings may be arising for them? So we take, take some time to deepen your empathy in this way. Now comes the key instruction, but don't get stuck in the pain of this empathy. And you have to decide when, uh, as, the, as the empathy deepens and intensifies, sensing, imagining what it must be like for them, you need to decide when it's time to move into the next instruction. So I say, don't get stuck in the pain of empathy. Don't get overwhelmed by it. Instead, let the power of this empathy become a strong energy of compassion that wishes them free of the suffering and deeply well. And let this intense, intense energy and wish of compassion radiate powerfully from your heart. So the, the intensifying kind of painful empathy now becomes a, a, an intense radiance from your heart, uh, energy and wish of compassion for them to be deeply well, radiating to them, not turning inward. You follow? And actually, each of us needs to decide when it's time to do that, to make that shift from deepening our empathy for them, reflecting on how it must feel for them, to now letting that intensifying empathy become a radiance from your heart that radiates to them, holding them in a great holding environment of radiant compassion and its energy, wishing them deeply well, and imagining all the causes and conditions of their suffering dissipating. So is that sort of clear? Like each, we'll need to find our own balance in it. If I'm just introducing it, it's the first time doing it. A little hard to find our balance in it the first time we do it, so you may just be following my instruction. But you need to know that if the, if the pain of your own empathy starts to get too intense to be with, that's a sign, just go right into it. Let that become a radiance from your heart, wishing them deeply free. So you don't have to just be holding it in here. You follow? But we do let it intensify a bit before letting it radiate out so we can have empathy. That's the balance. Okay? It's kind of brilliant. I mean, it's at the core of kinds of Tibetan Buddhist practice that I think are really brilliant. Amazing that they do this. Transform empathy, lead it right into the path of compassion instead of empathic distress. It's a kind of knowledge we really haven't had much of in this culture, so it's kind of amazing to me. Okay, shall we explore it? Yes. Oh, great, thank you.
And I always ask. That's right. What have we got to lose? Uh, what have we got to lose? Everything. Everything. Everything that I don't want to lose, I've got to lose, but what the heck? So what? That's actually a, a, a pith instruction from Sogni Rinpoche. So what? Who cares? It's not, with, it's not with reference to the suffering others are going through. It's refer- with reference to this. All our needless worries. Just a quick, so what? Who cares? Like, is it really? Is it really the, the end of the world? I mean, is it really the real reality here? Just this? Self-clinging worry? So what? And then it becomes like a reminder to just come back to our, our deepest purpose again. Oh yeah, that's always here. You know, compassion, love, whatever. Bodhicitta. Okay, shall we? Let's do it. Uh, again, you, I mean, we can stretch a bit if you'd like. Okay, we just sit in a relaxed way. Eyes can be open, gazing gently downward, if that, if that can work for you. And then just come down from the thinking mind into the body, feeling it as a whole. Feeling the gravity of it. And take a slow, deep breath uh, from the abdomen, so it expands. And slow, complete exhale. And can relax for a moment if you'd like after that. And then repeat several times. And now while still breathing from the abdomen, just let the breath settle into its own flow. And feel the abdomen moving with the breath. And let that feeling draw you into it more and more. The body moving with the breath.
and you can bring to mind your field of care as present here with you now. And sense that you're being seen and held in deep care, compassion, warmth and acceptance beyond judgments. And just relax into the felt sense of that experience. Just steeping in its loving energy and qualities. And letting them infuse your whole being. every part of you loved in its very being. Just accepting that, allowing that, steeping in that. And now let this loving holding environment just remain in the background a bit while you bring to mind a person or group whose suffering uh, deeply touches your heart and sensing the suffering they must be experiencing. Could be, it could have been in the past or it could be in the present. But just ex- sensing or imagining how must it feel for them in their body and heart and mind. what other feelings may be arising for them. So taking some time to deepen your empathy in this way. sensing or imagining what it must feel like for them. But don't get stuck in the pain of this empathy. It probably is somewhat painful, but don't get stuck in that pain. Instead, let the power of this empathy become a strong energy of compassion that wishes them deeply free of the suffering and well. And let this intense energy and wish of compassion then radiate powerfully from your heart as light to that person or group pervading their whole being and world. So all your attention goes right to them. 
radiating, wishing them deeply well and free, pervading their whole being and world with that light. And imagine that this radiance becomes every means needed to release them from the causes of their suffering. You don't have to go into detail on that, worrying about all the details, but imagine it's becoming every, every means needed to release the suffering. And this radiant energy is also encompassing them in a field of care and compassion that's relieving their distress and healing their whole environment. Just enveloping um, them in the healing power of compassion. Just enveloping them in the healing power of compassion. And you can let yourself take joy in their relief and joy if you'd like. While radiating and radiating this energy and compassionate wish and will. And now let this strong, compassionate wish and energy radiate to all others who undergo similar kinds of suffering. Imagine that this is also relieving their distress so they become free and well. And finally, you can let this compassionate wish and energy extend to all beings who experience the sufferings of living and dying in this world, infusing their whole being and world in the healing power of compassion and wishing them all deeply well and free.
and how you can let this radiant environment of compassion help your mind to relax and settle back a bit inwardly and just release all of its frameworks of worry and concern and meditation and let the mind just become naturally wide open like space. Just naturally wide open like space. And let the thoughts and feelings and sensations that arise just metabolize themselves in this sky-like openness of awareness by just letting it all be. Okay, good. So again, we're in this uh, form of meditation. We're consciously letting the, uh, the intensity of our em empathy increase and let the energy of that become a kind of energy of compassion that's guiding our caring attention outward toward others so it doesn't turn inward on ourselves with empathic distress. So in this way, then even painful aspects of our empathy can become an energy of compassion for others rather than empathic distress. And when we take up this kind of practice in some regular way and begin to familiarize with it, it can it too, like we found with earlier meditations, it can begin to imprint on us. So when we're uh, 
feeling empathy for others in their distress, uh, their adversity. Uh, it, it's kind of imprinted to start to go in the direction of compassion rather than getting caught up in the pain of the empathy ourselves. It's, it imprints on our, our mind. And this becomes associated with the experience of empathy itself. Uh, when you start to feel strong empathy, it, for it to become compassion rather than uh, turning inward upon ourselves. So again, the, the principle of it is the more intense our empathy for those who are suffering, the more intense the force of the compassion, which uh, then can motivate action. So again, in, in Buddhist psychology, the strong energy and presence and will of compassion that we cultivate in a practice like this is itself all understood as already an action. There's a power in it, in, in being present in that way, uh, oneself uh, present in that way to others, present in that way to the larger world. So there's, in other words, there's a very powerful willingness to notice, to pay attention uh, to how beings are, to see, to be with, uh, to hold in care and compassion, not leave beings alone in their suffering. And this will of compassion, presence and will of compassion, then also serves as a, a basis and strong motivation for further kinds of action to address suffering. Okay, so um, any comments from your experience of this meditation? What it's, uh, what it's showing you or raising up for you and also any questions? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.